Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Responsible Entrepreneur Podcast, where we talk with entrepreneurs who are changing industries, various social systems, cultural paradigms, and how we govern ourselves. So they cover a broad range of ideas. And if you want to know more about that, you can check the Responsible Entrepreneur book, which talks about how I see people doing that from 15 entrepreneurs I have uh, worked with closely. Today, we have one of those brilliant young entrepreneurs who I've known for a few years, who's doing some quite interesting and exciting things, I think, particularly in the field of education. And so I wanted to give you a chance to know, Matt. So Matt, would you do a couple of things here? Would you talk about what you're doing now, what the entity is you now, but tell us how you got to that in some little shorthand pathway. So, because when I saw, you know, first knew you, you were a student and you've come a long way, baby, as they say, (laughs) path to where you are and where you are. Happy to. And and first of all, thank you for having me and thank you for all the work that you do. You have been a real signpost in my life. So it's an honor to be here. So yeah, um, to do this in the thumbnail version is really difficult. But what I'll do is basically I spent 16 years of my life in a classroom. And at the end of those 16 years, I went out into the real world, right? And Uh, There were two really fundamental flaws with my experience, my personal experience with the education system as it was, in that I didn't really understand very much about who I was and what really brought me alive and my values and my purpose on this planet. And I had very little understanding of how the world worked or didn't work and certainly how it all fit together. So I had a little bit of a, a, I guess like a quarter life crisis, you could say. And I really knew that I needed to figure out what my role was on this planet. So I spent nine months in a van traveling across country, uh, living and working with diverse cultures. Uh, For example, the Blackfoot Reservation in Montana, herding cattle on horseback and participating in indigenous ceremonies. I worked on a fishing boat in the Bering Sea. Um, and then, so after these nine months, I came back to the Northeast where I grew up and I had completely transformed who I was internally, my worldview. Um, and I started to ask the question of, you know, if I could learn so much, you know, more in these nine months than I had in 16 years in a classroom, I just started asking the question, why do we do education in the first place? And if we're doing it to understand who we are and how to be useful in this world in a way that's personally valuable and socially meaningful, um, maybe we could reimagine what education looks like. So I spent the following six years kind of holding that question continuously traveling. I started to put together some kind of design around what this could look like, what were the core elements that needed to show up. And then I started learning about nature and how nature designs. And I learned about mycelium, this underground network, uh, the root system of a mushroom that connects into the roots of trees and the roots of plants. And it's intelligent. It actually knows where there's deficient sources in the forest and knows where there's nutrient-rich sources in the forest. And it can transfer the information and nutrients under the forest floor to maintain the health vitality of the host ecosystem. So I had an aha moment because a lot of the ideas uh, around the pedagogy that I was holding were, of course, in natural design um, to create and support healthy ecosystems. So, uh, so then basically kind of looking at nature as a design inspiration for education 
And we've been hosting learning programs really designed to do those core things, help people understand and step more fully into their purpose on this planet, and then create from that space. So we host what we call learning journeys, which are three-month programs that are in-person and virtual, and really designed to meet people where they are. But the fundamental shift between kind of so-called traditional education, what we do, is we don't focus so much on transferring information from a teacher who has the information and knowledge to the student. We create the conditions that see everyone as teacher and student. So we really kind of do the mycelium and create the channels for the information and nutrients to flow and support the collective, both individuals and the collective as a whole to support one another in a transformative process. So if I walked in, what would it look like, at least on day one or week one? Sure. So day one, we really, um, we as humans are incredibly complex. So that's why we see the kind of traditional model of, you know, one person giving information, everyone learning at the same rate, everyone learning the same things. We don't see that really honoring the complexity of individuals. The way that we do that on day one is through sharing stories where we need to understand where we have been and the experiences we've had to understand where we are. And we need to understand where we are to understand where we want to go and how to get from where we are to where we want to go. Just like, you know, if we were on like Google Maps and we were saying, I want to go to this place, but we didn't have a starting place, it would be very difficult to do that. So one of the ways that we do that is through sharing stories. So we circle up and we just, everyone has five to 10 minutes and they share the story. Who are they? What is alive for them? What were the kind of seminal uh, experiences in their life that led them to be where they are today? So we, A, can articulate our story and there's something powerful about being witnessed and being seen in our story. And we begin to understand what our learning ecosystem is. And then we can begin to support opening those channels and supporting one another through those channels. I love the uh, metaphor as well as the actuality of mycelium. Dear friend who is a mushroom expert in lectures, travels, and he's very young. He's never been to any formal schooling except high school. Mm -hmm. I experienced something with him. And as I listen to you describe that, I can feel that that was metaphorically the same. Mm -hmm. But would you make that very explicit so people know what you mean when you're correlating this first day and what you mean by the mycelium process? Yeah, absolutely. So there is, you know, like on our website and our collateral, there's an explanation of mycelium and the significance of the metaphor and how we apply it and how we see education. And then there's a very explicit onboarding process um, in the interviews that we do and the conversations we have with applicants. And then in the opening, we talk about living systems, how systems are organized, how they live in relationship to one another how living systems are responsive to their stimuli. And we really frame out the learning journey much as a living systems experience. So there's no, just like a journey that we take in the world, there's no day one happens, day two happens, day three happens, and we go see all the sites. I mean, that's one way to do it, but that's not how life happens. And it's certainly not how entrepreneurs build businesses. We have two programs. One is for people at a transition point in their life. And another is 
for people who are building businesses, social enterprises, socially minded businesses, or responsible businesses, as you would call them. So neither of those paths are linear. So we create this kind of framing around living systems in that it's a journey unfolding and we are responsive, we are resilient, and the learning needs to be agile to meet that kind of unfolding process. That's great. Who would be a person in transition that would benefit from your summer program? And then give us a little bit about what the benefits would be. We offer two similar yet different, so similar in methodology, but different thematically programs. Um, One is for people at a significant transition in their life. So this could be, it's adult learners. I'll start saying that. And it's everyone is driven to make a positive impact in the world. And that is obviously a very broad category, but for the transition folks, it's people who maybe just graduated college, kind of like where I was, and I'm not quite who I was, I'm not quite who I'm growing into, but I need help. I don't really, we don't have this kind of like rite of passage in Western countries at least, so that it supports that. The second group is maybe mid-level career. I was working in you know, um, Deloitte or Bank of America, and I'm kind of burnt out and I'm ready for what's next. I'm not quite sure what's next, so of midwifing that, or someone who just retired and is looking to live out those sunset years with intention, um, not feeling like I just want to move to Florida and play golf kind of thing. So that's the learning journey. So this summer's program is actually the venture journey. And this is for people driven to make a positive impact in the world, but using the vehicle of business to do that. So this is early phase venture development. So they have probably one to four years in the life cycle of the business. So it can be a very well thought out concept with no prototyping, no market entry, things of that nature. Or it can be up to, we've run a couple of programs and we're really looking to refine our our business model, maybe evolve our business model, understand our target demographic, and really just kind of tighten it up to take it to the next level. I'd love to hear a story of a person. We had um, a participant. Her name is Erica Mueller. She was a a well-known photographer in LA and she was, you know, had photographed for the Grammys, had photographed for multiple magazines. And she came to this point where she had grown up as a woman in, in the U.S. and seen subconsciously what women are supposed to look like. And she also realized that that had been weighing on her. She had developed body image issues over the course of her life. And what she was doing in photographing the kind of like mainstream pop culture was really upholding that image. And she came to this place in her life where she was realizing that she was supporting something that she didn't believe in and actually something that she thought was pretty detrimental to society. So she wanted to invert the kind of work that she was doing in the world and use the tool of photography as in a business to bring out a healthy image of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a human on this planet. So she created something called the Embody Project, where she photographs people who are nude, all shapes and sizes, doing whatever it is they're doing, playing frisbee, hiking, sitting on a, on a I almost said typewriter, <laughs> we're back in like the 70s, um, sitting on a computer, you know, doing whatever. And then asks them to write a page about what does it mean for them to be naked. And 
in, in all, you know, its beauty and all its fear and all its shame and just have opening this dialogue. And she created a, a prototype for it and put it on Facebook. It had 200,000 hits and shares in the first year. And from that, that's where she came into the, the journey to say, how do I take this and take it to the next level and create a viable business model around it? Now she offers workshops where she brings communities together, has them have dialogue and experience, you know, the fears and just really heart centered, um, a lot of very emotional work, but people coming together and opening a dialogue that oftentimes is really shunned or put to the side or more than that, you know, just pretty much ignored and we kind of accept the status quo. So she's using her business as a platform to open dialogue around healthy body image. And there are people all over the world that are now wanting her to come to Sydney, to come to Amsterdam, to do XYZ, to facilitate these workshops. Yeah, so we basically helped her refine that business model, come up with some different ideas of what that could look like, what the channels are um, that she could reach her, her target audience, things of that nature, just to kind of tighten things up. We should tell people how to find her because this is going to be very moving for some people who'd like to know more. Give us her name again and how we find her. Sure. So it, her name is Erica Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. And um, the project is the Embody Project, E-M-B-O-D-Y Project. I think it's embodyproject.com, but I can send it to you and we'll put it in the show notes. It's a wonderful story. You know, as I listen to you, I'm realizing how much, and, I, and I've heard you talk about this before, but let's be specific about how personal development becomes a part of what you're doing. I can certainly hear it in your journey. You're not taking people off on a physical track, right? You're taking on an intellectual, emotional, you know, kind of track. How do you engage and develop at the level of personal? Thanks for bringing that up. That's actually, just to kind of take a step back, is part of the pedagogy of mycelium is that if we're not showing up in our full self as a person, and we're not growing personally, then learning is very one-dimensional. So what we see is we need to meet the learning in the middle for it to be relevant for us. So in order to do that, personal development is really key in that evolutionary process. How we do that, I don't know. I would actually reframe that in saying, what are the conditions that we're creating that enable that to happen? One of the things that we do is we host what we call practice groups. So these are meetings of, of people, five to seven people who meet throughout the 12-week program. And there are two facilitators. And sometimes we're just sharing the obstacles and the fears and the concerns that we have in our journey. Then it can be a personal journey. It can be a professional journey. But whether people are articulating the, prof the professional journey, the facilitators are there to draw out what of the personal journey is coming up that's creating this roadblock for you. We're continuously inviting questions to the group. And one thing that's really cool that we notice happening time and time again is people are seeing that they, or they're thinking that they're the only one that is afraid to do X. And as soon as they say, um, A, I'm afraid to do X and I feel like I'm the only one and maybe I shouldn't even talk about it, 80% of the group says that's the exact fear that I'm sitting with. So then we have a dialogue around what does that mean? Where does that fear come from? And there are different people that are showing up that are supporting one another. So someone can be showing up and supporting another person. And in that supporting process, it raises the personal growth of both of those people showing up, learning how to communicate with people that are maybe 
be different from them, overcoming fears, being vulnerable. We create a lot of space for people to lean in to their edge of comfort and, and really be vulnerable. So we will put people on the spot, you know, and say, you're giving advice here, here, and here, and here, but we haven't really heard you talk about what is it that you're afraid of? What is at your learning edge? So we, and we do that too. I think another condition that we create is <laughs> the facilitators of the experience are incredibly vulnerable, incredibly transparent, and we need to model that. If we can, if we can model that, we can create space for other people to step into that. So come prepared to be destabilized and to <laughs> allow yourself to be pretty transparent and to do that intentionally. <laughs> Exactly. We ask a lot of our participants. Right, yeah. You have what might be called a philosophy of education, and you're applying it right now to people who are in change positions. They're transitioning or they're starting a business or seeking to create something different in business. So you have a philosophy, which I think I've heard you say you actually hope would transform the, the industry or the field of education or maybe the social system. What is your philosophy and what's your big plan <laughs> to have influence other educators and educational processes? I think a quote by Buckminster Fuller is really uh, apropos here where he says, don't fight against the existing system. If you want to change things, create a better model that makes the existing one obsolete. So I don't think we can sell a new model. I don't think we can make people do a new model. I think the only way that we can really evolve the field of education is by demonstrating that a new model is more effective. So that's what we're doing right now on a small scale with these programs. The vision and what is actually starting to happen right now is that using the mycelial metaphor, the organization is sporulating. So there are seeds of mycelium that are happening right now in the Bay Area, in Atlanta. So as we grow, we're going to develop our capacity to support the growth of these spores into mushrooms or into other mycelial nodes. So we have ultimately the vision is to have place-based yet interdependent learning institutions that are working in the context of their environment, but at the same time transferring information and nutrients throughout the ecosystem of mycelium. So that could look like we have thought leaders and industry professionals right now that are working with Asheville-based mycelium. However, as you know, Atlanta sprouts up, we can use some of our, we can share some of our thought leaders and industry professionals with the programs over there. Atlanta will undoubtedly have their own resources that are relevant to them and they'll start sharing them within the ecosystem. We'll continue to build this interconnected learning web throughout the US and then hopefully, ultimately, in different cities around the world. And, and we're learning. So there's no master plan. I think something that's really important is how we develop is to be in relationship with our times, with the environment, with the opportunities and adversities that are presenting themselves. Have you done anything like formulate in writing some of your philosophy? I mean, I find, you know, I write a lot. I write a lot of books. Yeah. I write a lot of blogs. I guest blog all over the place. And but believe it or not, the major reason I do it is to get myself clear. 
Yeah. Because I can see, guess, make up, discover, but to actually understand the principles under it becomes important. And then, of course, I end up getting to have great conversations with mm-hmm. people like you as a result of sharing my stories. I'm wondering how much you are seeking to articulate any of this that other people could say, please, let me read that. And, you know, how would I do that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that's definitely an area of growth for me and for the organization as a whole. Um, I've done some writing for different magazines and and publications, virtual and and otherwise. Um, But the kind of prolific writing, I think, is so essential for just what you're saying in the making meaning process. One of the realities of startups and especially startups in the education space where it's not a venture capital model where we don't have an influx of, you know, a million dollars to be able to have all the roles filled is that I am doing a lot of the roles and others are doing a lot of the roles. Change hats, right? <laughs> exactly. So much of the hat changing. And one of those hats is, is writing, is documenting, is telling the story of what's happening, but it's a very small hat. It's one of the hats as others are taken off and delegated, it's one of the hats I hope to grow. So we have some, but certainly need more and hope to have more in the near future. Well, if you were going to write and share and you had this moment's platform to say what you were writing, Mm -hmm. what would you say would be sort of the outline that you felt like was the most important thing to put in writing? And it might be just two or three top line principles that you feel like you're testing, playing out, and would kind of organize you're riding around. First is the power and value of experimentation in our day and age. So I'm not saying erase the etch-a-sketch and begin again and erase the etch-a-sketch and begin again. I think having very clear patterns and principles that we're following, but what that looks like needs to be experimented with. So that's what we're doing in the space of education, which I think is so exciting, is that we have patterns, we have principles, we look to nature, we have you know a learner-centered model, a community-supported model. We offer the minimal amount of structure and the maximum amount of support to let the learning go where it needs to go. But the, the question that I'm holding and I'm, I'm always holding is around experimentation. What is the most necessary experiment that we're doing right now? We see two things that are incredibly important. One is people understanding their role on this planet. What really brings them alive? What is their contribution? And then the other is how are we contributing that thing? Is one thing to say, oh, my role is to do X, Y, and Z. But if we never do that or never live into that, there's no contribution or there's very little. So we want to optimize that contribution. So right now we see one way that that can be done very powerfully, which is what brought us together initially is through business and looking at like, for example, the integrated Pentad uh, framework that you've developed is one really powerful framework. So looking at that framework and then saying, okay, what are experiments that we can do around venture creation and looking at the framework that you created, for example, as one of those principles that we're following, what are experiments that we can do in a learning program that can really be exciting, be dynamic, and increase the metabolism from this is my purpose to manifesting my purpose in a way that's meeting the needs of the world. So that question around how do we experiment How do we share the results of our experiments? How do we contribute to the field in a way that really increases the metabolism of our social evolution 
and social and environmental regeneration. Those are things that are really near and dear to my heart, the heart of all of us here at Mycelium. So I think that that's a really big one. I think the role of vulnerability is really, really key in education and in growth and in personal development. So vulnerability in leadership, vulnerability in venture creation, just vulnerability as a human. It's something that has been so marginalized and actually is, is sometimes you know, pretty pejorative in the social vernacular, but it's where all the learning is. Our Mycelium's tagline is learning at the edge. So how do we live on the edge of today and tomorrow? How do we live on the edge of comfort and panic zone in that edge zone? So again, what are the conditions that we can create to invite people to an edge? Because that's what happened with me when I spent nine months in the van traveling around. I was on the edge, but then we need to come back and we need to integrate that. So again, that's where like the writing is and all of this is connected, of course. So I'm, I'm looking for one more story. One other person who's been through the program, or it could even be one of the people who's a colleague of yours, that you know this process that you're describing, where there's this experiential immersion, the vulnerability, the self-discovery, along with contribution of something you're going to do. Who else could you tell us about? And then use it to help us see a little more about how people might join you and what the value is they would get from that. There's another woman, a Silicon Valley woman. Her name is Ann Badillo. She worked for, I think it's called T2 Venture Creation. And she was in this like very masculine field, very action-oriented, financially driven, profit-driven. And she just realized that it was really weighing on her. And she needed to reconnect with what brought her vitality. And she didn't even... And this is the thing that happens so often in these journeys is that people often think that they need something specific and they begin the journey and they realize that there's something else that they need. So what was happening with her is she was in this, you know, very like driven, driven, driven environment. And in the process of these three months, she actually was just wanting to take a pause. She was at one of these transition points and looking to take a pause. And what she realized in this pause was not that she didn't belong in that world, but she wanted to reinvent that world and do it in a way that was of personal meaning. Instead of this incredibly profit-driven venture capital world, she looked at how do we look at impact, social impact, and how do we invest in impact. And certainly she's not the only one doing this, but for her, she didn't realize that that was an option. So her kind of like stake in the ground was was I'm going to create a $10 million impact investment fund. So over the course of the journey, she didn't develop that fund, but she really gained clarity on who she was, what she was saying no to, and what she was saying yes to, and started to look into the future and how she could bring that online. So I can see as I listen to you in both of these stories, how it's people who are at the beginning of a transition, but by being with you, what they do is clarify what's the nature of that transition, what am I letting go of, what am I taking on, and what might that path look like? You don't get it all accomplished during that time, but you get a lot more clarity about where we're going. Would that be a fair statement? It would be. And I think that there's, um, it can be, and that's why we really try to meet people where they are from that place of, I'm stuck and I need what, what one of our colleagues calls epiphany management. 
<laughs> so this is Kevin Jones speaking. Right, um, I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So he gets to the, we get to this place where we realize, oh my God, this is not okay anymore. I need something else, but I'm not quite sure what that is to, I know what it is and I need help building it. Yeah. So, so absolutely. But again, through every step of that process, there is a release, there is a composting, and there is a renewal that happens. And we, our programs, whether it's the transition program or it's the venture journey program, really focuses on personal development, venture development, and systems change, social change. So, you know, the volume may be turned up on one and turned down on the other, but we're always looking at those three areas. And that's what... Um, is really exceptional and necessary about mycelium. There's a lot of accelerators and incubators out there that focus on a lot of the hard skills and business model and pitching and getting funding, which we do and are essential, but also, you know, building that leadership capacity in the, in the creator we see as also really fundamental and a lot of letting go and paradigm changing needs to happen in order to do that. So we, we midwife that process. That's great. Well, people are going to want to know how to find you. They'll want to know how to find you personally. Like, can they email you or what? And then yeah. secondly, they're going to want to know more about the programs and about mycelium as a whole. So give us some contact information so we can help people get to you. Sure thing. So um, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Mycelium School. Contact me personally. I'm happy to talk with any of your listeners and viewers. Um, my email is Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, at mycelium.is. And that is M-Y-C-E-L-I-U-M dot I-S, as in Sam. To find out more about mycelium in general, mycelium.is, www.mycelium.is, and forward slash S-V-J, Startup Venture Journey. And that's for our summer program. That's great. Well, it's always wonderful talking with you, finding out what you're doing. I hope that people will enjoy this podcast and they will seek you out. And I will do one last little closing here and tell people if they would like to find out more of these podcasts, they can go to iTunes and the Responsible Entrepreneur Podcast is up and you can sign up for the RSS feed and more, meet more amazing people like Matt. Thank you so much. 